This is Seba, the Southern Fried Witch, and this is episode 54 of season 2. And today is the day before what a lot of folks would call Thanksgiving. I've got two pumpkin pies in the oven right now. We had such a horrible harvest this year that there was only one suitable pumpkin, and that one is the one that got roasted up and is now sitting in cinnamon and nutmeg and ginger. I also have a cornbread going so that tomorrow won't be too hard as I'm the sole matriarch of, well, my immediate family. And I'm already doing that thing. I don't know if y'all are like this, but I'm already doing that thing where I'm stressed out and pre-worrying over everything and not even enjoying what's to come. I need to learn how to do better. Thanksgiving for me is problematic. And not just politically, or rather ethically, although those things are very serious to me. But also, you know, not all of our childhoods went that well. (laughs) So I'm going to end up standing at that table, going a little bit long on why Thanksgiving is an issue. And I'm probably going to bring up a lot of reasons why we shouldn't do it anymore. And the kids are going to argue with me. Not because they disagree with those kinds of statements. After all, I'm the one who raised them. But more because I think it's our traditions that we built that they want to preserve so badly. And I think that that would be the case with a lot of us pagans and witches, wouldn't it? Is that there are other traditions built around this tradition and it's really hard to extricate everything. And at the end of the day, I built beautiful memories for my sons, and they really want to sink back into that. They want the turkey. They want the gravy. They want to sit around and play family games and have a roaring fire. They want those memories because, you know, they found out the way we did that when you grow up, life is hard, (laughs) and their childhood was magical, so... I understand that it's hard to completely extricate that away from the holiday. I reckon it's just complicated. You know, I have some beautiful memories of this time of the year from my grandma. She was so insistent on being shoeless when she was in that kitchen, and especially on this day. Y'all know she was so insistent on being barefoot in her kitchen. Her feet had to hit that ground. She had to feel that. And I remember a Thanksgiving, I don't know, I was probably 9 or 10. I could have been 11, but it would have been somewhere in that little pocket of my life. All of the women from the family were in that same kitchen, and she made them take their shoes off. I don't know how in the world she worked with other people at Thanksgiving. I don't know how she ever did it. I know that I need to be left the hell alone. (laughs) I'm afraid I'm going to make a mistake if I don't stay in the zone. And to find somebody I can work with is, um, it's a wonder. It really is. But she would dance across that kitchen floor. And that's what it was. It was a dance. It was. I was allowed to fill the celery with this cream cheese concoction. I don't know how many of y'all know what that is, but it has uh, 
garlic and green olives, and it's delightful and horrible for you. And we're eating celery, though. That counts, right? And I guess they didn't feel like I could ruin that too much for them. But that's not my only memory of my grandma around Thanksgiving. And in fact, that's not the best memory. The best memory, I had wanted to spend the night with her, the night before Thanksgiving one year. That was kind of big for me. I always did want to. I ended up living with her uh, later on in my life. But as a little kid, the only place I wanted to be was Grandma's house. And that night before, she loaded me up into her Dodge. And um, we drove way out in the country. I don't know how she had found these people. I don't know if it had been a call to action or somebody she just knew about or heard about. I don't know. But we pulled up to this old falling apart country house. And this beautiful family came running out like they knew her. And Grandma began to pull things out of the trunk of her car. And she had a ham and a chicken and a casserole. And some of these things were all pre-made. She had done it herself. And pie, lots of pie. And my job was to help her take it all to the front porch. Now, I don't know how old y'all are, but in 1974, 1975, this, and especially in deep Alabama, this was sort of an anomaly sort of situation, (laughs) not something I'd ever seen before. But apparently she'd been doing it for a number of years. And from then on, that's where I wanted to be the day before Thanksgiving. Didn't get to have it all the time. My life was a hot mess. But what I remember most about that was that the mama of this family insisted we sit down for a minute and have a cup of coffee with her. Now, I wasn't allowed coffee. I don't remember what I got. But Grandma put everything down and then sat there, and they laughed, and they talked, and they shared so much happiness and joy. Grandma helped her put everything up in the refrigerator. I mean, they acted like they'd grown up together, and I don't think they did. I remember sitting there amazed, not at the poverty Not at the situation of being outside of my understanding of culture. I was amazed because I had never known a family get-together like that where folks weren't hurting each other's feelings or making snide commentary or making that, you know, small talk that doesn't mean a damn thing. Everything they talked about meant something. It was this deep conversation where Grandma you know, had her hands on this other mama's hands, and they were just laughing, throwing their heads back because of the joy of the situation. And that was my first understanding, that money will fuck up everything. And I think I know why. You see, my grandma had grown up in poverty. I'm sure my family wouldn't want me to say that out loud, but it was real, and it was serious poverty. And she was the oldest of a whole bunch, a whole scat of children that she helped raise. But my parents, well, I don't know how much money they had. They may not have had as much as they affected, but they were very into how things looked. And we lived and went to a country club. We lived in that area. And um, those were the get-togethers that I saw with them. And they were empty. They were empty and devoid of spirit. Until this moment, I had not seen a family sit around and just relish in each other's company. But I never forgot it. Oh, I went ahead and I spent multiple Thanksgivings. I remember having to take my children down to see my mama 
I did have to, I mean, I had to appease her one way or the other, even in my late 30s and early 40s. I kind of did what she said to do. I mean, I bring my kids down there, or I did for a while, and it was the same. It was, you could get in trouble by looking the wrong way. You could cut your eyes a certain way or say something that it could be taken out of context. And before you knew it, somebody was slamming themselves into a bathroom. That wasn't me. I was the one running outside to have a cigarette with my daddy, <laughs> my adoptive daddy, and get away from the nonsense and the drama. But it wasn't until I stopped that mess, it wasn't until I stopped going down there that I was able to bring back that kind of joy that I had seen that day out in the woods with my grandma. Because it is magic. It's some of the oldest magic in the whole world. Fellowship. But it wasn't just the sharing, although I think that is just so critical. It was also, you know, (laughs) they had a little dirt pathway and it looked like they had swept it. They had a fallen down little front porch and it was neat as a pen. Somebody had gathered together some wheat straw and that sort of thing and put a little pumpkin in between it and tried to decorate the table. And that house. That house was brimming with just magic. And the ones, the homes I had been in at the holidays, everyone is worried about how their house looks, how clean it is. Do they have the proper decor? And it's further than that. I remember getting in trouble when I was younger. I'm sure she's already forgotten it, but getting my hand slapped by my mama because I put my finger into a pie. <laughs> You know, that's okay that I got my hand slapped for it, but I was berated about it for hours afterward. And y'all know why. I'd ruined the look of the pie. It wasn't perfect anymore. Mm-hmm. And I promise y'all one thing. If you are shooting for that this holiday season, you're going to miss it. You're going to miss everything that was important about any of it. Y'all, I make this homemade chocolate pie that my grandma taught me how to make, and inevitably, it will end up with little cracks on the top of it. And that didn't matter to grandma, because she always put on a meringue, and then baked that on, and you couldn't see that. Well, my kids don't like meringue, and I hate making it. (laughs) I do. I will eat it. I love it. But honey, when I'm the only cook in that kitchen, and there's six to seven mouths I gotta feed... I don't have time for a damn meringue, so it's Cool Whip or some such. Anyhow, my youngest son told his wife to get the recipe for that chocolate pie. And he said, you know, the one with the cracks in it. I don't know if y'all can feel this emotion with me, but it was the experience. And he wanted that experience back. And if it had been too perfect, y'all, he wouldn't have had it. Today, when I was whipping together all that pumpkin, I make a homemade roasted pumpkin pie. It's very important to me. I grow my own pumpkins, and it just has a better flavor altogether. But I had put these damn pie crusts, because again, don't have time to make a homemade pie crust right now. Can do it any other time of the year, just not at the holidays. And I had put them down in the deep freezer, and I put a bunch of stuff on top of that, and they had cracked couple of them lost a little triangle of their crust. You know how it goes. And I worked for about two and a half hours making this pie, because that's how long it takes. 
and then pulled those out of that deep freezer and my heart just sank. And then I remembered that that makes it better. (laughs) And I did my best to kind of finagle that back into a round shape (laughs) and poured all that love into it. And when they came out, it looks okay. (laughs) It's not going to win any awards. But honey, it's going to taste like somebody just slathered you in butter and sunshine. So that's all that really matters at the end of the day. (laughs) It ain't going to break anyway when you try to cut it. Y'all ever been able to cut a pie and not fracture that crust? Because uh, it ain't me, girl. It ain't me. I'm going to tear it up. But it's those messes like that. You know, it's those uh, fucked up, beautiful messes that make it all worthwhile. But it's not just that. It's not just, you know, broken pies that have made the season for me over my life. Whenever I'm unpacking all those uh, Christmas ornaments, there's all the ones from Hallmark that we paid way too much money for back in the 90s. And there's all the super sweet ones that have our pictures on them or some such. But the ones I love to get to, the ones I love the very most, are the ones that my sons made me when they were tiny and one that my daughter made me when she was tiny. The one my daughter made me, it goes up every year, even though we're estranged. I put it up every year and give it a good cry, you know. But it's a peanut butter lid. <laughs> and then she had cut out around, you know, I think they did it in school, of a Christmas card. And it's got like Santa and the reindeer and everything. And then she super glued that inside of it. And then a piece of tinsel around it and tied it with a red ribbon. And I love it. It's like gold. My son has one that he did with, you know, macaroni art. Y'all remember that. I don't know why they use macaroni, but works for me anyway. And some of the macaroni's done falling off. And I think the dog got a hold of it one year. And these are my treasures, not the Hallmark ones. Y'all know how I'm always telling y'all that the sacred has to move. That you cannot hold it in your hand. That's not sacred. That's just bullshit. Now you're just worshiping a stone. I mean, the sacred has to move. And it usually goes in reverse. It cannot become dogma or it loses its magic. Well, I tell y'all right now, because I know most of y'all pagans and witches are out there. Y'all aren't Puritans. You're celebrating Thanksgiving and Christmas just like me. I mean, most of you. Maybe one or two not, but most of you. And if you are trying to make the perfect Christmas, if you are attempting to put together the most elegant meal, you will lose that sacred. It will slip right out of your perfectly polished silver. I promise you. There better be a fucked up pie somewhere, honey. Magic can't live in a sterile environment. It just can't. I know I almost died trying to live in one when I was a little girl. We have to be able to make mistakes. We have to be able to look at the bigger picture. We have to be able to find joy. And I'm sorry. If all that matters is that we get that picture-perfect Christmas bread, I mean, go ahead and attempt it. But remember, if you achieve it, (laughs) you're going to mess it up. So you might as well have fun. You might as well enjoy the holiday, too. Because sometimes when you're talking too long to a friend, or really playing with your grandbaby on the floor, or so busy saying howdy to everybody walking in your door, you may burn something, honey. Your carpet might get messed up. 
and that can lead to a whole hell of a lot of fun. Speaking of messing things up, y'all, I ended up breaking after that last sentence and decided it was time to take a rest and went on and had the most beautiful day with my children. The turkey came out just right because I stopped worrying over it and I also did something new this year, y'all. I asked for help. (laughs) I never asked for help, but I did this time. And my partner ran around crazy with me the entire day. Y'all should have seen us outside. I decided that I had brined my turkey too long and needed to rinse it. Or wrench it, as my grandma would have said. And so we took it outside because I didn't want to take a chance on salmonella. And you should have seen us too. (laughs) You should have seen us out there trying to rinse a turkey over a wheelbarrow on my lands. And then me trying to butter it on the floor in the kitchen over a towel. But I got it done. I got it done. And um, hold on. Let me tell y'all real quick how to make your turkey taste better. Just stay with me one minute. I don't know if you give a damn or not. So you can always scoot ahead about three minutes. But here's what I learned how to do. And it changed my turkey game forever. And as my daughter-in-law reminded me last night... Sometimes it's fun to have turkey in the middle of the year. And if y'all will scoot out there real quick, you can get them for real cheap right now. Throw them in a deep freezer. And I'm telling you, July is going to be fantastic. Anyway, so what I did, what changed my game over here, is I stopped messing around and I listened to Alton Brown. And I learned how to brine my turkey. And it's a pain in the damn ass. Okay, it's not simple, but it is so worth it. Y'all can look up his turkey brine recipe, or anybody's really, because, you know, just add things that you like, like I put in peppercorn, and I have rosemary, and a little brown sugar, and of course salt, and you can do whatever you want to do. But the first year I started doing it, I didn't have enough room in my refrigerator, and I didn't know how to handle it. And I know I'm going to have some Puritans out there yell at me about what I did do, but it worked. I used the big drawers at the bottom of my refrigerator. (laughs) I did. I did do that. I know. It's crazy. I covered them with tinfoil and everything and just put them back in there. (laughs) And I don't do that anymore. I have an old canner that the seal got a permanent flaw in it after, I don't know, 15 years of use. And I use that now as my turkey briner. And it, if I pull everything out of the refrigerator, it just fits. So, <laughs> But it changed the game. And by the way, I did not need to rinse it. I don't know what I was thinking. But it changed the whole game. All of my turkey has been luscious ever since. Also, I learned to put compound butter under the skin, and I mean a crap ton of it. And a compound butter, just butter and something. So mine is butter, chopped thyme, and uh, minced garlic. And you whip it up really good, and you want it to be whippable, but not melted. And then I just push that underneath the skin everywhere I can get it, and then pat off the skin, and then butter that too. Honey, this is not a low-fat turkey, <laughs> so. But it it's just wonderful now. And, of course, I use my meat thermometer, but y'all really do need to try brining your turkey because I've had too many folks come over here for Thanksgiving and 
suddenly realize that turkey shouldn't be dry and they're just miserable when they go anywhere else. So y'all need to consider doing that one. Anyhow, we had a wonderful time. I stopped being upset and concerned and worried somewhere around the middle of it all. I took several breaks. I had a glass of wine. I listened to music and then I went back to it. And with that extra help, which, you know, is sort of critical if you want to keep your sanity, I was able to not carry all the weight of it on my shoulders. And at the end of that meal, we had fun. We laughed. We played. We goofed around and everybody ended up sitting on the front porch. It was a nice night. We've had a reprieve here in Alabama and it was a lovely evening on that beautiful front porch. And it gave me just enough time to tell my daughter-in-law she was in for it because one of these days it's going to be her who's going to be the matriarch and it's all going to be on her. Y'all should have seen the panic on her face. I think she was really scared. Anyway, I slept late today. And I'm behind at work, but I let the house get messy and I let things get tore up. And I think it was really good for me to do that. And now I get to look forward to my favorite holiday around this time of the year. And that is Yule, not Christmas, Yule. My little coven and I and my kids, we love Yule. The rules are really simple. You can give anybody anything you want to, but you had to have made it or grown it or whatever, sourced it yourself. We've got a really tight cap on how much money is allowed to be spent, you know, in case you needed something extra to go with this thing. If you needed to add a cinnamon to your tea mix or whatever. And so it is a macaroni yule. (laughs) And that's my favorite because, well, because it, gets closest to what I understand a witchcraft Christmas ought to be. And that's more focus. You know, they're always saying bring Jesus back into the holiday. Well, my Yule is bring magic back into the holiday. Extricate all that bullshit and pull capitalism out by its grimy little teeth and sink into things like fires and homecrafted goods and songs around a tree that we actually bring candles to. I mean, we put them on the ground outside of it, don't y'all? A lot of wood's on fire. But this is the most wonderful time of all because it means that we can be messy and no one's getting their feelings hurt running to bathrooms. (laughs) You know what I mean. One year a long time ago, I made everybody rose wands. I'm not a big wand user, but I just thought they were fun and a neat present. And I went out there and I had to prune my roses back. I have some trailing ones and they go a little crazy. Well, the one that was the sweetest, the one that smelled the best, that one was one I had to do some heavy trimming on. And I got them all about the same size and uh I let them dry out naturally, then popped all their thorns off. There's a way to do that without hurting yourself, always to the side. And I kept some of the dried rose petals as well. And they were still beautiful and colorful and smelled wonderful. And I just put all the rose petals in a little sachet that came off each one. And the thorns that came off each one in a little sachet. And then I used some really beautiful dye. It was natural, and it gave this gorgeous gleam to this thing. And I wrapped some copper wire around the ends real tight and attached a charm or two. And I just also tied on the thorns and the rose petals that came from it. 
And everyone was so happy. They loved them so much. It was just, you know, a little spell pack, really, to go with your little wand. <laughs> I think I might have spent $5 in ribbon for this um, whole endeavor. And they came out looking just heartbreakingly beautiful. And that, in my estimation, is a macaroni gift from a witch. <laughs> but it was, I'm not very crafty. I'm just not crafty like that, y'all. I will super glue my fingers together and end up at the emergency room. I'm not kidding. I'm not crafty like that at all. But there's just something so much more meaningful in a gift that we make, I believe. I've always believed it. And uh, those are the gifts I've told you that I've saved from my children. And those are the gifts that I endeavor to give to the people I love the most at Yule. And I tell you what matters so much. I mean, you know this. A homemade gift is time. You had to sit there and you had to put that work in and you had to think of that person the entire time you were doing it. Now that's energy, that's intent, and that's love. So we always uh, forego dinner that night and everybody brings a horrible snack, you know. I'm talking cheese dip and brownies and hot buttered rum sometimes and pepperoni wraps, just all the stuff you wanted when you were maybe 13. That's what we bring to the table. And then we all make our own homemade Yule log. My partner cuts a bunch of pieces that are just right to fit in this gorgeous chimney. It's huge. That's outside and can hold up to like 12 at a time, which is critical for Yule. (laughs) And we decorate them all at the table together. And that is fun. And that is messy. And that is witchcraft. It's usually my job to provide the unbleached natural flower. Well, no, I also provide the holly usually because I've got a beautiful holly bush right here on the farm. And somebody brings cinnamon sticks and somebody brings uh, oranges that we peel all together. So we put that citrus peel on our yule logs. And it's just the most magical thing in the whole world y'all to build these together but we're all making our own individual ones and wrapping all of our love and intent for the sun to come back around which it does on that night roughly a minute a day then we all go out and we stand in a circle and we sing usually rise up oh flame I mean come on perfect right And my partner gets a little fire going that can be the bed of coals for these. And one by one by one, we walk up and we place our Yule log in. And we do that with some sort of intent, some sort of blessing for the sun, you know. Even soft prayers for us to be able to get through the darkest part of the year. And even that can be messy. That will definitely be imperfect. Someone's going to forget the lines to rise up a flame. Someone is going to stumble, you know, when they're trying to walk across a darkened yard. Someone's log may not get situated properly, and we have to kind of finagle that sucker back where it goes. Out here in the country, the dogs may decide they want to start howling. Or, as it happened last night, one of my redneck neighbors might think that it's a perfect time to throw off a couple of shotgun blasts and yell murka, you know, idiots. But that means that it's going to be imperfect. And once we know that, I think there's so much less expectation on Yule being this 
picture perfect postcard thing that it ends up being sacred by default. Just, I mean, that much love and sometimes shivering around a fire. (laughs) It's a reprieve from the commercialization of something that had once been comfort for people in the winter. And so I look forward to having a very sacred, very fucked up, beautiful holiday. And I know a lot of us have family trauma. And I know a lot of us struggle at this time of the year. My heart is with every one of you. I do too. And quite honestly, this is where my friends come in. This is where the love from someone I've maybe not ever even met matters the most. Y'all know last night, my um, son's best friend, who also calls me Mama, came to our Thanksgiving dinner. I had uh, sent home some sweet potatoes I grew, those beautiful purple Okinawas and the Korean golds. He had gone to culinary school a long time ago, and he was so excited to roast those and bring them back that day. And we were sitting out there on that front porch, and I've known this child his whole life. I love him so much. He's my only gay son. (laughs) I had to adopt him to get one. And he's my precious heart. And we were sitting outside, and I cannot remember for the life of me what word he mispronounced. Now, he's very, very intelligent, but there's always gaps in our education, you know? And it was a massive mispronunciation. And I just sat there. Now, I'm an English professor, but I was feeling it so good. I was feeling so peaceful out there after, you know, the dishes were just a glory of a mess in the kitchen and everybody was full. And I just didn't want to correct anybody on anything. You don't want to be that person, you know. And he sat there a minute and got real quiet. And then turned to look me dead in the face and said, now, why didn't you correct me? I know I said that wrong. And uh, I don't know what I told him. I probably made it sound better than what it was. But the real reason I didn't correct him is because we need to be messy. We need to make mistakes. We need to let things slide sometimes. And he had just made Thanksgiving perfect. <laughs> so- Especially for an English professor, you do have to practically sit on your hands and zip your mouth when someone, (laughs) and I get, I've got a horrible accent, but I know how to actually write the things down. Anyway, it made it all beautiful. I accepted everything in that moment. And sometimes that's the biggest relief of all is just to accept everything for just one moment. Well, not everything. We're not talking politics now, y'all. Because I don't accept most of what's going on in the world right now. But just the situation I was sitting in, you know, and not tearing it apart and saying, I wish we'd gotten to uh, fix that kitchen up. It looked horrible and I was embarrassed or none of my silverware matched. And I keep meaning to try to buy matching silverware and I keep forgetting because I don't put it up there as a high priority or I don't know. I forgot to put my lipstick on before they walked up. Something like that, and instead just accepted it. Or that was the day it had been, and I found it good. Anyway, I just want to give a shout out to everybody who's been writing in to me, telling me that you left your leaves in place. (laughs) Thank you. I mean, at least where you could. I've heard stories about anoles and lizards and tiny little creatures that you have found underneath things, everything from pots to um, leaves. And thank you for saving them. 
That's wonderful. If that's the only damn good I do, that's good enough. Excellent work, bat children. Everything is everything. And saving something small, well, you know where that could lead. And y'all, I am sorry that this is such a ramble today. I had thought about taking this weekend off of my podcast. I am so tired and I just haven't had a break in 54 episodes. I decided at the end of the day, I'd rather give y'all ramble than give you nothing. And I hope that was the correct choice. I hope there was at least one good moment. Weaver November has taught me quite a lot. I hope you've enjoyed the interviews we've done. I'm going to start doing this every year and be really on top of it because we need to be supporting small business and witchcrafters at this time of the year. I hope you'll consider doing it too. Also, our Instagram raffle that we've got going on over there. Y'all need to go look it up. Find me over there, Southern Fried Witch. It's coming to an end in just a few days. So if you want a shot at all of that yummy stuff from all the folks I've had on these interviews, including Crystal from Farmerish, Hatcraft Farm, and Haxenwolf, and me, and some of that stuff that's in there from me, I mean, I don't know if y'all are into it, but it's um, properly dried mushrooms from My Little Mushroom Farm, and peppers, and seeds, so much seed. Job's Tears. Y'all need to look into that one. But that is going to end and I'm the one doing the drawing and I'm going to do it as soon as the whole thing ends. So I think on December 1st, I'm not sure I have to check with my girls, but please do consider entering that one. I'd love for it to go to a bat child. Also, I'd like to do the shout outs for the new patrons. Our Patreon means everything to this podcast, and in fact, I'm heavily considering stepping away from one of my adjunct jobs and giving a lot more time over here. If I were able to do that, I was going to lift off an extra podcast, one for children, but also lengthen the ones I do for y'all. And I'd have time to finish that book that really needs to come out. So this is amazing. Thank you so much. And those new patrons, I haven't done shout outs in a minute, so I'll make sure I get them. These are the ones that are making all the difference for Weaver November. And that is Catherine, Michelle, Hummingbird, Monica, Josephine, Dr. Danielle, Eva, Beth, Emily, Donalyn, and CJ. We are only six bat children away from hitting my goal for this year, which was 100 patrons. And if and we make it by the end of this year, I'm going to be doing something really cool over there. Something a little bit more personal. Plus, we have a Facebook group and I can do Facebook Live from there and it makes me very happy. So, trying to hit that 100 patrons and a little bit of a celebration we're going to have. I hope you're all staying warm and safe. I hope you're all remembering to witchify everything in your life if you can, honey. And I hope you really are remembering to let things be a little messy sometimes. It's where the fun is. Love y'all like chicken. Talk to you next week. Blessed be. Y'all have been listening to the Southern Fried Witch Podcast. Come back around next week for a little bit more magic from the deep south.